Hello, and welcome back to Over My Dead Pod. My name's Holly Spear. This is Kate Carter. And I'm Kylie Colwell. And today I'm going to be giving you an episode, and I think it is one that Kate and Kylie don't know again. So it's going to be a good one. I didn't know about this one before I started researching for it. And fun fact, I was actually writing another episode in the middle of this one when I saw this episode come across a TV show, and I was like, oh my God, I have to do this one. So yeah. And then I just started writing this one. So here we are. Let's here we it. are. All right, let's hop into it. So today our story takes place in Oshawa, Canada, which lies along Lake Ontario. Oshawa is a fishing town. And on September 11th, 2017 at 8.30 a.m., a fisherman and his grandson were casting their poles along the pier in hopes of taking home some bass. When in the passing water, they spotted something strange bobbing up and down. Upon closer inspection, they discovered that they needed to call the police. Fast forward to December 29th, 2017, about three months later, a 911 operator answered the phone call from a man named Sean, who was a plumber. Sean tells the operator that he's currently on site for a job. They were snaking a drain for a couple hours for the residents of an apartment building. And this is not an apartment building, like a big residential building you would think of when you think of an apartment complex. This is more like a upstairs, downstairs house situation. So the upstairs is being rented to a couple and the downstairs is a single male. So it was the upstairs couple that had called for the plumber. And the downstairs man was an odd man named Adam Strong. The plumbers had been there for a while trying to unclog the drain, but they had been completely unsuccessful, sitting there snaking the drain, like could not get anything to come out. All the pipes in the house were backed up. The toilets were backed up. The bathtub was starting to overflow and back up into the house. So the plumbers then decided to see if they could go and snake the drain from downstairs. The plumbers would say that when they arrived downstairs, it was obvious the downstairs neighbor was uncomfortable. He didn't want them there at all. He was pacing back and forth and watching their every move. The plumbers noticed that neighbor Mr. Strong had completely removed his toilet and his bathtub was completely backing up. The plumbers probably immediately knew that the pipe problem was coming from here. And I have to assume that they knew that the downstairs neighbor, Adam Strong, knows that this is the problem. So the plumbers are attempting to snake this drain forever, but they cannot get anything to come out. But by the time they go downstairs, they begin pulling up mounds and mounds of matter. They immediately stopped, walked outside, and made a quick little phone call to the Oshawa Police Department. The plumbers told the 911 operator that they were trying to unsnake a drain and were pulling out mounds of 10 to 15 pounds of matter of what Sean the plumber would describe as, quote, looks like flesh type stuff, meat. I don't really know. We don't know what it is. Within a few minutes, the police arrived to meet the couple that called the plumbers. The residents tell the police that a couple days before there had been a clogged drain, but that the downstairs neighbor didn't want to bother calling a plumber and that he would just fix it himself. The neighbor snaked the drain, but it was unsuccessful. Although the neighbor didn't want any plumbers at his house, the couple had had enough when the smell overcame the apartment. The pipes were backing up into the tubs and sinks of the home. So the couple decided enough was enough and they called the plumber themselves. When the cops arrived, the plumbers were holding a plastic shopping bag full of the substance that they had been pulling up from the pipes to show the police. The police knocked on the downstairs neighbor's door, 45-year-old Adam Strong. 
And literally all the police had to do was knock on this man's door and Adam would bust out and say, okay, you got me, the gig's up, it's a body. If you want the rest of her, she's in my freezer. And she's pretty much badly defleshed. Defleshed? Defleshed, weird word to use. He just came straight out and said it. Yeah, like knocked on his door and he just gave himself up. So he is obviously arrested. Let's talk a little bit about Adam Strong. We know that Adam Strong is 45 years old. And at this time, oddly enough, not much is known about Adam. We know that he worked as a security guard on movie sets, but that he'd been fired twice. He also worked at some gas stations. He liked knives and he had a boat, which he would take out on the water and scuba dive. Adam at one time at least had a girlfriend. And this woman would say, yeah, how? No idea. How? Believe it or not, he had a girlfriend. And this woman would say that Adam was controlling and abusive and he would choke her. But this is all I could really find out about Adam. So it's a little weird. The police never gave many details about Adam. Police hurriedly send officers to raid the home of Adam on the mission to find the rest of the body. The officers enter the home and find a small deep freezer. It's an older square metal freezer that once had been white but had yellowed and now rusted with time. The officers reluctantly open the freezer to reveal the human head of a young woman wrapped up in plastic bags, just like Adam had said. Back at the station, Adam surprisingly lawyers up, which I didn't expect. The police interview went pretty bad with Adam. Um, After he speaks with his lawyers, he declines to answer any questions that police have about the case. Police that interview Adam would say that he was unlike anyone else that they had ever met. Adam wouldn't talk about the case, but he made a couple of nonchalant, annoying comments and questions just to show like how much he didn't care. Police would be like asking him about something about the crime. And he would just blurt out like random things like, I heard these things can take forever. Is that true? Or he would point to a box of tissues on the table and be like, what are those for? Are those for me? And the police would be like, no, like, why do you ask? And he would just be like, oh, just wondering. Like he would just say nonchalant, like stupid things. Police realize that this interrogation is going nowhere. And so they shut it down. Let's backtrack a little bit to the torso that was found in the lake. Rory Hache was a teenager when she went missing. Her mother and father had separated when Rory was a teen. And it was about this same time that Rory started having more and more time on her hands. Rory's mother, like so many other single mothers, was forced to return to work after the divorce to support herself and her daughter. Rory's mother had to work every day, 10 to 12 hour days, and this left Rory to make a lot of decisions on her own at a very young age, at the age of about 13 or 14 years old. But Rory's mother thought that everything would be okay because Rory was very mature, brilliant, and a driven young woman. Um, Side note, Rory's family was from a biker gang, and her grandfather was the founder of Satan's Choice MC, and her uncle was a Hell's Angel. So these are different biker gangs than our history of biker games on Over My Dead Pod. But... Rory was starting high school, but Rory and her mother had a plan that they were going to save and buy a big bus. They would travel around and live in it together a year before she went to college. This was their mother-daughter dream. However, it was around the first year of high school that Rory's mother said she believes this is where things fell off with her relationship. Her daughter would begin to hang out with a bad crowd of friends and had a completely new attitude. She became even more of a changed person when her mother found out that she was experimenting with drugs 
Rory was also homeless for some amount of time. This is when Rory's mother really struggled controlling her. However, Rory's mother would say that she still had no idea who would ever want to hurt her daughter. She was so good to everyone. Rory had the word alive tattooed on her neck. The head in the freezer showed the tattoo alive. Obviously, this was the remains of Rory and the police knew right then they already had the killer. And they had already at this point linked the torso back to Rory, but that's all they had at that point until until the whole sewage issue. So Adam is immediately charged with the equivalent of mutilation to a body. They called it something weird in the report. This is Canada, so I don't really know. They called it something really weird, but I researched it and found out it basically was like mutilation to a body. The charge that they made like this was just so that they could hold strong while they secured a charge of murder against him. It's obvious what happened, but police are going to need some time to build their murder case against Adam. To build this case, police need to turn Adam's apartment upside down to hear back from the autopsy to see if there is a determination of death of the victim. Police start in on Adam's apartment. An investigator would say that it was the worst apartment that he had ever been in by far, as far as clutter, trash, mess, and dirt was concerned. And I watched a documentary about this and I couldn't refine the pictures of his apartment, but it was it was disgusting. So investigators could barely move in the apartment. They had to walk through paths of trash and clutter to get around. I mean, it's just disgusting. There's tons of DNA, tons of things for police to be looking through to even find any evidence. Police would recover devices used to restrain people. Rory's DNA was found on several of these items around the apartment, including a hammer. Rory's running shoes were also found in a plastic shopping bag. The shoes were splattered with blood, along with the floors, walls, and ceiling, and baseboards of Strong's apartment. He hid nothing. Everything nothing. was, like, in plain sight. If you look like, at the pictures of it, it's a hoarder house. Yeah, It's, it's a hoarder house. It's not hoarding normal things. It's just trash. Trash, yeah. And imagine killing someone in an environment like that. I mean, like burn the whole house down at that point. Like what? it's everywhere. So he could not hide this, even if he wanted to, which I don't think he really tried. But while the search is occurring, somewhere in all the mess, the police stopped and evacuated the home. They found what they thought was a potentially explosive device. And they brought in the bomb squad and a bomb robot had to deal with the package. It ended up being a pipe bomb, and they had to have a controlled explosion of the package in a safe location. Um, so I guess it was just like a bomb that was just sitting in his house, like, I don't know, and just hadn't exploded. So they go back to investigating, and in the kitchen, the investigators find a knife in the drawer. The knife stood out to investigators because it was not a normal kitchen knife. It's not what you would think of that you would just throw in your kitchen drawer. This knife was one that was specifically used by hunters to gut and skin their kill. It looks more like, and I've seen it described as a hook. It's more of like a bladed, like, hook. Even to the human eye, the police could see flesh remaining on the knife. The DNA is tested, and it is revealed that the DNA is not the DNA of Rory. What? It is the DNA of a different girl. A different victim. They found that it was the DNA of a 19-year-old female who had gone missing 10 years ago, named Candace Fitzpatrick. Candace was last seen during the summer of 2008. She was last seen leaving her home and headed to the mall. But Candace was not reported missing until 2010. 
Candace was also from the Oshawa area, and Candace was somewhat estranged from her family and was over the age of 18, which partly explains why she was not reported missing until 2010. Her family had eventually gone to the police to report that they were concerned because they hadn't seen Candace for about two years. And it finally became too weird that she had not made any form of contact with her family. And as we'll see, both girls had unfortunately been battling drug addiction and had fallen into the world of addiction and sex work. Both had also been homeless at some point and for some period of time in their lives. Somewhere in this realm, both girls had crossed paths with Adam Strong. This was because Adam preyed on young, vulnerable girls who were at a low point in their life. Obviously, the charges of Adam Strong were increased to two first-degree murder charges, and it is at this time that Adam sits down again at the same police department for another interrogation. September 28, 2020, the interrogation starts with Adam talking about how well he has been treated, that the staff had treated him so nicely, and police are not just trying to be buddy-buddy with this guy, but they're trying to build their case. They need this guy to talk. At this point, they don't have any other evidence about the alleged killing of Candace, only DNA on her knife. They don't have a body, they don't have anything else. Adam said that he hadn't eaten, so the investigator went back and got him food. The investigator and Adam sit down and share a meal together. Wendy's, to be exact, and Adam is disappointed that he didn't get fries with his food, even though he told the cops that he wanted a combo. He's just he's disgusting. I can't. Then just starts talking about how he like killed a girl. Like he's just no no remorse. The creepiest part is just how like nonchalant about everything. Like he didn't he didn't care. Zero cares. Just for the fries. That's the only thing he cared about. Zero. Yeah. So the combo from Wendy's is all it takes for Adam to start spilling the beans, and Adam starts talking. And his defense attorney is probably pulling their hair out right now listening to this interview the investigator literally just asks how old was rory and adam says 18. okay so how much of a body did you guys get back like obviously the entire skeletal structure right he asked how they were able to pull it out of the pipes and how much they were able to pull out of the pipes he said he just had bad luck with that one and said that people in jail had been telling him that he was stupid for trying to put a body down there and he said, are you kidding me? That's an awesome way. That's crazy. I want to understand the thought process. Because it's not like a garbage disposal in your bathtub drains. I don't know. I know. How, 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 do, yeah. how, do, how, how does someone think that that's going to work? Listen, my hair clogs up my yes. bathtub so fast. Can you imagine putting on a whole body? Drain well, he's, he's stuffing her down like all the drains like I think he's like trying to flush it trying to use the sink trying to like I don't know yeah I mean just it didn't work but I guess that's a good thing yeah Yeah. so although he talks about Rory he remains silent and doesn't answer questions about Candace I guess he's smart enough to realize that without any additional evidence from himself police can only get him for one murder conviction it's on August 29th of that year when police pull Adam's cell phone data and it is confirmed that Adam's cell phone pinged at the Oshawa Harbor a week before Rory's torso was discovered by the grandfather-grandson fisherman pair. The interviewer said that Adam said, some people may feel remorse, but I didn't feel it. I'm really sorry. I guess sorry that he like didn't feel remorse. Okay, so Strong would say that he started the cleanup process the day before Christmas. 
He began by defrosting the body, which had been put in a freezer, by putting it in a tub full of hot water. He would have to refill the tub a couple times to reheat the water. Ironically, the rest of the interview, Adam would focus on himself and how terrible his life was. At the end of the interview, Adam would say, well, I probably said more than I should have. And the investigator said, yeah, probably. And the judge would rule that the whole 12 hour long video of Adam's confession was admissible in court. Investigators believed, but could not prove because they lacked the evidence of an intact body that this was a sexually motivated crime. Throughout the trial, Adam showed zero emotion. Some days he would even refuse to leave his cell for the hearings. In regard to Rory, an autopsy of the murder could not obviously say what killed the woman because there was just not enough to work with. So at this point we have like her flesh and a torso and the skull from the freezer. But Rory had a skull fracture, but it was unclear if this was done pre or post-mortem since her remains had been brutally dismembered. It was ruled a homicide and concluded that Rory was pregnant as well. During the trial, five women were called to the stand who all testified that they were victims of sexual abuse by the hand of Adam. They would describe the binding devices that Adam used to restrain them. So the defense comes up with this argument that it was possible since Rory had been a drug user that she had died of an overdose while with or around Adam and that he panicked and had no choice but to dismember her body, dispose of it in his pipes, throw her torso in the harbor, and put her head in a plastic bag in his deep freeze. They had no other option. They had they had to think of some story. Oh, yeah. yeah. no way. Yeah. They tried. They did their best. They tried. Um, this argument was unsuccessful. It goes without saying. But on March 16th, 2021, the jury returned the verdict of guilty, and Adam was convicted of first-degree murder for Rory in the manslaughter of Candace. He was sentenced to life in prison without parole. Now, he only received manslaughter for what I believe was the murder of Candace Fitzpatrick because there was just not enough evidence. The only thing that we had by the time of the trial was DNA of a missing person. This was just not enough 10 years later to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that one, Candace was dead, and two, Adam Strong had killed her. Adam would not budge giving up the body of Candace Fitzpatrick. We could only speculate that Candace met the same fate of Rory since her DNA in the form of blood and flesh was found on the knife in Adam's home. However, in court, Strong acknowledged that it was proved he dismembered the woman, Rory, but argued that the prosecution failed to prove that he had killed Candace. Family and loved ones of Candace feared that Strong couldn't tell the police where to find the body of Candace. Fearing that the disposal of Candace's body could have been a similar but successful attempt of the failed attempt to discard Rory's bodies down the pipes of his home. Bill Fitzpatrick, the father of the first victim, Candace gave a victim impact statement stating that he scoured the streets and cities after his daughter went missing. He was devastated when the police told him 10 years later that they had found her DNA in Strong's home and police believed that she was dead. Rory's mother said that if she could ask her daughter's killer anything, it would be, where is the rest of my daughter's body and why did you do this? Let's not forget that Rory was the granddaughter of this like hell's angel, like Satan's choice motorcycle gang. So I'm sure there's Sure, there's some of those in prison with Adam, and I really hope that they're spending good quality time together. So, yeah, yeah. I hope that he's getting to hang out with those people. But it is on July 2021, the Oshawa Homicide Unit received information from Strong about the whereabouts of Candace's body. 
Police conducted more interviews with Strong and he ended up leading police to remains. On November 4th, Strong led the police to a small clearing by a tree line behind a street in Oshawa, and human remains were discovered. The remains were determined to be the remains of missing Candace Fitzpatrick. The family of Candace and the family of Rory Hashade attended the press conference hand in hand to announce to the public that Candace's body had been found at the hands of Adam Strong. The family would say that it was a miracle and a blessing and will be at peace back with her family where she belongs. However, this will never change the life taken too soon. Detective Sergeant Doris Clare stated that Strong's conviction will not be revisited in court and that the case is closed. He's already been convicted of the offenses and we cannot upgrade charges post-conviction. And at this time, we're not looking to lay any additional charges. So, I mean, that's kind of disappointing just because I know a lot of times in cases like this where you get the maximum sentence, but it's like you get over that just for the fact of like putting the family at peace that you got charged with their loved one's murder. But they if were if they would have been able to have changed it, he potentially could have gotten the death penalty, you know, so yeah, um, that sucks. But at least there's closure for the family on the actual body, you know, yeah. and, and remains. So Adam Strong murdered two innocent girls who were struggling in life. He only likely crossed the path with them because he preyed on vulnerable young girls. It was at their lowest point that they interacted with the already low Adam Strong. But these girls were loved by their families and by all accounts, they were intelligent, strong-willed, and kind people. Adam will spend the rest of his life behind bars. That is the story of Adam Strong. Now, I also read a few theories that because of the difference between Rory and Candace was like 12 years. And the fact that he had said when he was talking about the dismemberment and like how he disposed of Rory, he would say, oh, this one was just unlucky. Kind of signaling that there may have been more. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if there's other victims. Yeah. I watched, I think it was like a Dateline or an A&E like YouTube video on Rory and it him running into Rory was just like happenstance, completely random. I don't know about, about Candace. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's what he means by unlucky. Yeah, it could be. I mean, I'm not really sure. I know that, yeah, he did just run into them. And I think that really not much is known about Candace just because I think by the time that he ran into her, she was homeless and kind of like estranged from her family and stuff. So we don't really know exactly like the date she went missing but he could have yeah he could have meant unlucky like that i'm not sure but it's speculated that for 12 years that he didn't kill anyone they are not really sure so i kind of think it's highly unlikely that no other girls were killed within that time period by adam strong i don't know his mo is obviously to prey on like these people who are you know homeless addicted to drugs living on the street, whatever, that some people that he might have killed may not have even been reported missing ever. So there's always that possibility too. Oshawa police see this as a possibility as they have said that if anyone knows or has heard of anyone missing in the Oshawa area to come forward and report them missing. And this was like not even that long ago. I mean, I think this was like in 2022. So they're still looking. For now, he will be held behind bars for the rest of his life. You would think because he's such a blabbermouth and he already has life in prison. I looked it up. Canada does not have the death penalty. Why wouldn't he just talk now? 
He probably will at some point. You know, he just went to prison last year or two years ago. If there is any other victims in the future that we find out about, he'll be the one that says it. I mean, he stayed really quiet about Candace, probably because he had an attorney at that point, but it didn't take him long after he got in prison to start talking, talking, yeah, about where her body was, so. What a good story, Holly. I had never heard of that one. That was really good. Very sad. It's so weird because, like, all the sources I tried to find for this, there was just really not that much information about it. But I just thought it was a crazy case. Like, I could not believe I'd never heard of it. But, yeah. You can actually watch his whole interrogation on YouTube. That's how Mm -hmm. I found out about it. He doesn't look like he's going to fare well in prison. And I hope that's the case for him. And now it is time for overtime on Over My Dead Pod. So who wants to go first, ladies? I can go. So this week, I've just got one story. As you probably all have heard by now, a Utah man last week shot his family of seven in his home and then committed suicide himself. So this man is Michael Haight. He was 42 years old. He had a wife named Tasha. And then Tasha's mother lived in the house with them, Gail. She was 78 years old. So apparently Michael went home, killed his five children, which were aged four to 17, and then proceeded to kill his wife and his mother-in-law and then turned the gun over and shot himself, killing himself. So super, super sad, out of the blue, you know, a whole family is wiped out. And then it comes out that Tasha, his wife, had filed for a divorce petition in December of 2022. It is now January, 2023. So as you can imagine, all of the media assumes that the divorce petition was maybe a reason of why Michael Haight had killed his entire family. But that being said, awful, disgusting. You know, the kids were ages four to 17. And then the mother-in-law too. It's just an absolutely horrible crime shocking to hear but unfortunately these kind of cases do happen every once in a while murder suicides are more often than people really imagine or understand unless you work in the court system the way that this all played out is that it the shooting happened at some point on Wednesday and by 4 p.m the police had already had reports on Wednesday of asking for welfare checks so uh, friends and family you know knew right away not hearing from the family for a few hours was not not okay and so i that was a really good turnaround time i believe on the police's end as well and then the last thing i will say is that the police chief did state in utah that a crime report investigation had gone on with this family a few years ago but has not released what it was about or what the police report was about. And you can't find any information on it, which makes me think that they have it hidden now, probably for this investigation, even though they've already figured it all out. But that's a very interesting thing to see maybe later on that what had happened at this house or with these people a few years ago, could it have been prevented for their deaths now? I wouldn't be surprised if it was domestic violence related. Also because those are also always sealed 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so that okay. could be that a would make sense. Very, very sad. So that's my story. Once again, that was in Utah this past week, uh, the beginning of January. All right, Kylie, you up? I have a developing missing person case out of Massachusetts. Okay. So we have Anna Walsh. She's 39, married, mama three. Last time she was seen was New Year's Eve. New Year's Day, she was supposed to head to D.C. for business. I cannot pronounce the name of the town, but it's a little outside of Boston. On January 4th, her work actually reported her missing because she never showed up. So police went to the home. They talked to her husband, Brian Walsh. He said he last saw her getting in an Uber to go to the airport. There's no record of her getting an Uber. Mm-hmm. showing up at the airport or showing up in DC and her phone records show that her phone was like at their family house up until January 2nd. So police obtained a search warrant and they found blood and a damaged bloody knife in the basement. Also, Brian's dumbass googled how to dismember a 115 pound body. Oh, and dispose of it. Nice. Oh. Hey, oh, it's just a, smart a reminder thing to, to all of our listeners, whatever you Google, regardless if you wipe your computer, can still be found. Okay. Even if you're on private browser, it can still be found. It's still there. No matter how many years back ago, you know, like it can be found. Can be found. They also found out on January 2nd, Brian bought $450 worth of cleaning supplies, mops, and tape from Home Depot, which fun fact. He wasn't allowed to be at Home Depot at that hour because he's on federal probation for fraud because he bought and sold fake Warhol paintings. What? Wait, Weird. What? What a twist. What a twist. Yeah. Yes. So we've got some a fake art dealer. Anyways, yesterday, so it would be January 8th, he was arrested for hindering the investigation. And police have stopped their ground search and said they won't continue unless new information warrants. But I think we can kind of piece it together. Yeah. He looks like he does white collar crimes. He looks like he sells fake Warhol paintings. A hundred, a hundred percent. As soon as I saw a picture, I was like, well, that's him. Okay. Well, are you guys ready for the (laughs) jump scare of your life? Is this another TikTok (laughs) conspiracy? No, it's not. I present to you the news that missing former husband of Carol Baskins is alive. What? (laughs) Wait, what? (laughs) Is this confirmed? Oh, my God. Tiger King star... Carol Baskin's former husband, who went missing in 1977, was declared legally dead in 2002, but is alive and well in Costa Rica. In Costa Rica. <laughs> oh my God. He's literally in Costa Rica. Wait, I'm and, that's, and that's what she said the whole time. She did. That's what she, she said was... the entire time. She said, oh, he probably, if he had left us, he's in Costa Rica. Living yep. on his life. And it says right here, Homeland Security found him. He's alive and well. Yeah. She revealed she found out after being contacted by officials at the Federal Bureau of Investigations and Homeland Security. Okay, the whole two conspiracies was Carol Baskin killed him, okay? I'm gonna lie to you, I did enough research to think that Carol Baskin killed him. I had it in my head, she probably had, some, she probably had somebody kill him. And 
the fact like you remember his plane was still at the airport but his car had all of his stuff in it so it did look like he was just it was just placed there wait this is not she's just saying this yeah wait i'm also now seeing that it's all coming from carol baskin yeah there's no this might be fake oh, really Holly. yeah it's just carol baskin saying that homeland security told her i thought that they were saying that no oh my god am i gonna have to redo that shit all over again no we gotta keep a- this in this Please tell us if you think Don Lewis is alive and well in Costa Rica or if Carol Baskin killed her former husband in the comments. Thank you. I'm literally now reading all these articles and it says Carol Baskin says. Carol Baskin says. Oh, that bitch. I am shooketh right now. If you look up Carol Baskin ex-husband, it pops up a ton of articles saying he's been found. But if you look up his name or anything else, it's all just hearsay from Carol Baskin. Yeah. I am shooketh. Well, you did make oh. me have a jump scare, so. I was literally so excited to tell you all this. All right. Well, you need to keep us updated on your research. Okay, I you- actually did find it on TikTok. <laughs> you got to stop for your TikTok sources. I'll leave this in. Yeah. Holly, not to hate, but that TikTok did not sound very reliable. <laughs> No, no, it wasn't like a news source or anything. It was just some lady. And then, well, and then I like Googled it and like all these articles came up. So I was like, oh shit, like it's real. I got excited, Kylie. Now what am I going to say? I got to cut that whole shit out. No, this is a good blooper. Please leave it in because that was really good. I really thought I was doing something there, you know, but apparently this it's alleged now that he's alive i got really excited i'm sorry everyone i really thought that this man had been found by the fbi in costa rica but apparently it's just carol baskin saying that which sounds like something carol baskins would say so i'm just gonna do another one and add on here for you guys the idaho murders we know that brian koberger has been arrested and i just have a feeling that we are not going to hear anything else for a very long time Yeah. I don't think we're going to yeah. hear anything until trial. And even in trial, I I have a good feeling they're going to close it. It's so interesting. He's read, very interesting. He's very interesting. I read through the affidavit and then like I found this forum on Reddit about him. And then I found this whole like health forum that he was on where he was talking about his health issues that he's been having of disassociation and the stuff called virtual snow. I don't know if y'all ever heard of that, but it's basically like where your eyes are completely like fuzzy constantly. But it is really his profile posting on it, but it's like from 2011 when he was young. And anyway, but with that, this is Over My Dead Pod and we will see you next time where Kate will tell you a riveting story. I am Holly Spear. This is Kate Carter. And I'm Kylie Colwell. Bye. Bye. Bye.